Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. We have a very special episode for you today, a very special guest. I'm your host, Kate. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can follow me at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. And I'm Jake, and you can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Hey, everybody. It's me. <laughs> it's me, Mike. Mike. from the Fantasy Footballers <laughs> Podcast. Goodness gracious. We have the schedule released tonight. We're going to have actual matchups so we can do our week one rankings starting tonight. That's true. Very excited about that. We, we've got lots of cool stuff going on. Check out the site, fantasyfootballers.com. You guys have an awesome draft kit. Everybody, please be sure to check that out. They have all the best draft resources for literally every format. The, the Dynasty Pass, the DFS Pass, you guys just have it all. Yeah, brand new. The Dynasty Pass is new this year, so we're, we're pretty excited to add, to add that into the UDK Plus. Cause, uh, you got a plus. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how the world works now is you put something out, like, how do we make it better? I don't know. Just put a plus on there. <laughs> Everyone knows that it's better. It's plus. That's Bigger better. is better. Unfortunately, you're on our show today because you owned Kate and I last, uh, last <laughs> season. <laughs> uh, I really wish you were on here because we owned you, but um, it went the opposite way. So last off season, yeah. for those of you who do not know. Yeah, just Michelle rip off the band-aid. Mike Wright loved Antonio Gibson. Um, and had him ranked higher than Zach Moss, which I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, Kate and I obviously are huge Moss fans. Everyone knows that uh, listening to the show. So we bet that, you know, who would have a better rookie season. And I don't even think we need to discuss the numbers because they, they weren't close. You killed them. Are you sure? We could go into them. <laughs> no. I, I thought about pulling them to see exactly where they landed. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But <laughs> I am, don't. I am happy for you, and I am wearing my Moss Mode sweatshirt. It is, it's a nice. It's a, I like it. I like that graphic. I don't see you have a Gibson Mode sweatshirt on. He has Gibson PJs. I that don't. He wears every night. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my footies. The footies with the butt flap. Gibson on his heart. He doesn't need to advertise it on his shirt. <laughs> yeah, his I heart, I heart Gibby tattoo on his right bicep. I will say... Going into the 2021 season, I am extremely high in Antonio Gibson. And ah, unlike nice. you, unlike you, you just got him on the cheap in rookie drafts. I had to pay up this offseason in my dynasty leagues. And I actually had to pay for him because people like him now. So I was yeah. like, what did you what did you trade? You know, I feel like I don't remember exactly, but I've been giving up some decent uh, people here. Like I did a Nick Chubb for Antonio Gibson trade straight Ooh, up. Right up. That's spicy. Baby. Did. That's spicy. Oh. I kind of wanted to talk to you, though, about this. So for the 2021 season, how high are you about to rank Antonio Gibson? And I want to go through some players that you think would, like, I want to know, would you take 
Gibson over those players. So first, sure. Where where do you have him ranked? Do you did you finish your rankings yet? So we uh, we we've what we've done on the footballers so far is just like our initial gut check rankings. You know, you jump you jump into the drag and drop, move some guys around, and I I believe he ended at at twelve for me. I was trying to be okay, when when you're known as the Gibson truther, you have to. <laughs> at least project a some level of uh, self-restraint before you, you just things get out of control. Uh, I'm in the process right now of getting everything built up for the for the draft for the ultimate draft kit and that's where we go in and we we manually give everybody all the numbers of uh, the actual statistical breakdown and that's when you really find the gut checks of like oh I <laughs> did not realize that player was going to end up as my RB5. Uh, so I haven't done that yet for Antonio Gibson, but I mean he'll be an RB one at the very least, which I think that's I know like conservative, considering he was a running back one as as a rookie on kind of limited work. I was going to say yeah, RB twelve is not anything that sh- should scare you too much because he was the RB thirteen last year, missing two games, so he should be able to get there. I, I think we should all expect him to see a bigger workload. Hopefully McKissick doesn't take so many of his snaps and targets. And Peyton Barber just needs yeah. to get out of there. Can they, like, oh, how does goodness he still have gracious. a job? <laughs> I don't know. That, Peyton Barber will be, I will be, like, buried in my grave. That man must have a good personality. He, he's like Jamal Williams, who I actually think is a better football player than Peyton Barber. But if you yeah, that's, watch that's anything. That's upsetting <laughs> to Jamal Williams. I think he's very good. He, I don't even like no, that those two names were just thrown together at this moment. In fact, it makes players. me feel uneasy. He, they are, but like the personality wise, like when all of us were mm, just okay. absolute, absolutely begging oh, yeah. to get Aaron Jones on the field, free Aaron Jones. And then you have Jamal Williams come out and this, uh, what was it? The SpongeBob video. And he's like, man, I just love being out there. I feel like SpongeBob, like a mermaid. And <laughs> you're just like, this yes. dude's so awesome. Like, I just want to yes. be friends with this guy. That and one realize... interview will stay in your head for the rest of your life. You love that oh, interview. I love that it interview. It made her love Jamal Williams. <laughs> it did. I'm like the biggest Jamal Williams stand. So I feel bad that I just used his name in the same sentence as Peyton Barber. But they're just Thank those you. people that, you know... You, they're, they're going to be around. Well, hopefully Barbara will be gone or never see the field. So I do want to go around to all of us, and we'll just right. do this kind of rapid fire. Who would you rather have for the 2021 season? It's not Dynasty, just one season. Antonio Gibson or Cam Akers, both in their second year. We'll start with Mike, then you go to Jake. It's Akers. Ooh. What? Wait, we might have yeah. to stop here for a second. Why Why would you go Akers <laughs> over Gibson? Do we need to restart this... the show for <laughs> No, it uh, it's just it's my my belief and my trust in the McVeigh system. I have seen the evidence that he will give one guy the entire workload, and he can have a top five offense in the NFL. They're they're only getting better. Like when you move from Jared Goff, who's fine, he's an average, adequate starting quarterback, to Stafford, who I think is good to very good. Uh, that improves your offense, and it, it, we saw at least a small. A small, little itty bitty sample that they're willing to give him a crap ton of opportunities. Like when he was finally the starter and healthy, I mean he was averaging easily over twenty opportunities a game. So that that's the only reason why I lean Acres over Gibson. I we're all hoping that they unleash Antonio Gibson in the passing game, which they 
it was more far more McKissick, like you were saying, of him eating up those third down snaps, which they could because they talked about easing Gibson into the role. He's still basically learning how to be a running back in the in football. Um, so he can be unleashed there, but I believe that Akers will be the main number one guy, and I believe fully in in the Rams' offense and what McVay does. So I, I hesitantly and sheepishly say I'll take Akers. <laughs> I'm shook right now. Shooketh. I'm, I'm sorry. Jake, who are you going with, Gibson or Akers? I will barely lean towards Akers as well. I'm I'm thinking Daryl Henderson will still get work there. I don't think that he's going to completely disappear, but I'm a little bit more worried about the utilization of a J.D. McKissick type in Washington, even if it's not J.D. McKissick himself. But I think Gibson can probably improve his pass blocking a little bit from last year. I'm sure that was some of the issue of him getting eased in, like you're saying there, Mike. But I will just narrowly give Akers. Who are you going with, Kate? I'm actually going with Antonio Gibson here, and I'm not the All biggest right. Antonio Gibson stand. So this is really weird. I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> but I'll I'm gonna roll with it because you know what? Fantasy football takes you to some really, really weird and dark places at times. But I mean Antonio Gibson, he was essentially an RB1 on 206 touches last year. Even if you're projecting some uh, regression in terms of his touchdown efficiency. I think you do have to expect that he is going to see more than 170 carries on the season. That offense, I do think, is going to be humming at a much higher rate than it was last season. Fitzpatrick, uh, you do have to worry a little bit with just what kind of target share he's going to see with Fitzpatrick. I'm not sure that that's going to be very high, but I think the carry should be there. Hopefully, we'll see his role as a pass blocker expand and they just won't take him off the field. So I'll I'll trust that. In Fitzmagic, yeah. in the Washington football team, we trust. I'm going with Gibson as well. I think, uh, you know, Washington, like you said, will be scoring more. He already scored 11 touchdowns last year. There just is no one else in that backfield that should be stealing those goal line carries. I do think those all go to Gibson. And I just think Gibson is better on a per-touch rate for fantasy. Cam Akers last year, like you said, he was getting 20 touches a game but he wasn't really scoring all that many right. fantasy points compared yeah. to those. I, I think one game he got 30 touches and scored 20 fantasy points. It's like, how? How is that possible? And PPR, like you, you got to do better than yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'll have both ranked probably as a running back one, but I would lean Gibson just for the higher potential. I think he actually has a shot to be a top five running back, and I don't know if I see that with Akers. We sucked at going uh, rapid. That was so rapid. (laughs) Sorry. For these next three. All right. Gibson or Joe Mixon? Oh, that rhymed. Kind of. Uh, Gibson. That did not rhyme. I will also go Gibson. Not just to be a stubborn anti-Mixon person. I'm still going Mixon, but then can we go round robin again and decide if Gibson and Mixon rhyme? Wait, are you still going Gibson or are you still I'm going, still going Gibson. You said Mixon. No, no, no. I uh, thought you said Mixon. She oh, did. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm um, happy you heard it. <laughs> scrub the tape. Oh, my God. We have to start over again. <laughs> this is this has just been a ridiculous speed. No, it's Gibson for me. We know what Joe Mixon is. We've already, I want to see what Antonio Gibson could do with 300 touches. I already know what Joe Mixon does with 300 touches. And it ain't much. I think the the key here is will Gibson get even close within no. 100 touches of Joe Mixon? Because I could see Mixon getting like 350 touches this year. But just for the sake of like wanting to root for someone, I would honestly just lean Antonio Gibson. 
because uh, I'm just not a <laughs> yeah, Mixon the, fan. Uh, your, your stance on Joe Mixon is yeah. uh, very public <laughs> yeah. uh, out there. And I, I mean, I haven't been, I, I haven't felt the, uh, the rage towards Joe Mixon and those that support him that, that you have, but of, of on the, sh- on our show, I feel like I'm always the lowest on Mixon and like, and, but I am with you that I, I saw you softening your stance of like, Oh crap, it's, it's Joe Mixon and nobody yeah. and their offense should be good. So I'm, I'm with you that I've had to warm on him, but I will that one i'll dig my heels in and say i'm taking gibson awesome gibson or chubb nick chubb oh man i love nick chubb so (laughs) much he is he is fun to watch he is just he's old school and i I think that he doesn't get the credit that he deserves because derrick henry's over here doing his thing Uh, if derrick henry wasn't around I think that the public would be far more fascinated with what Nick Chubb is doing. And I'm all in on Cleveland this year. So I'm taking Nick Chubb over Gibson, even though he's a two down grinder. Jay. I'm I'm going to go Gibson here uh, and it's just by a nose, but it is strictly due to his potential for receiving, which we didn't see as we said last year, but I think it's definitely there. Obviously the, the heights are there to be achieved by him in that. So I will lean there. I may be a bigger Kareem Hunt fan than most two this year, which could play into it. Yeah, I think that you have to project plenty of plenty of touches for Kareem Hunt, but Nick Chubb's clearly the guy, and it didn't really matter whether or not Kareem Hunt was there. He was still the guy. I'm going to roll Nick Chubb. I think they're going to have plenty of opportunities in the red zone, which is perfect for a running back who just plows through the goal line like Nick Chubb. I'm, I'm not quite there with Antonio Gibson. Michelle and I love, like, the power back. We love the guy that can just bulldoze his way through a line and just make a beeline for the end zone, and that's that's Nick Chubb. I'm not sold on on Gibson quite to that degree yet. I'm going Gibson. I'm, I, apparently I'm going to have him Oh, yeah. Let's I, go. I, Nick Chubb's another guy. It's like he can get 20 touches, but unless he's getting into the end zone, he's – what he, he could put up a hundred rushing yards and then still only 10 points. If he doesn't get into the end zone is they just don't use him as a receiver at all. Right. So I would go Gibson just for the upside there. And I, I could see them ending similarly either way. Uh, and then one last one, I don't think I have to go around here. I'm sure all of us have the same answer, but would any of you take Antonio Gibson over Derek Henry? No, uh-uh. no, no, I wouldn't either. Derek Henry's too good. Also, I just need to remind everybody that, like, you clearly never have any idea who you're sleeping next to because if you asked me <laughs> yesterday or even this morning how Michelle was going to answer Antonio Gibson versus Nick Chubb, I would have literally laid my life down on a railroad track. That Please don't do that been... over any question because we don't know each other that well. <laughs> we know each other well, but not enough for you to kill yourself. Oh my over a God. But, wow. I'm flabbergasted but uh good for you believing in yourself good for you (laughs) (laughs) all right well mike i did want to know so we just went through the 2021 nfl draft do you have Mm -hmm. an an antonio gibson i put in quotes this year like a a player that went in the third round or later it could be a running back or wide receiver but you just really feel strongly confident that they're going to succeed and you want them on your fantasy teams i I mean if anybody's 
there's there's no like glaring this guy is an Antonio Gibson type where you just he is the reason why Gibson was so exciting is he was gigantic like the speed the speed for a man that that large it, it shouldn't be humanly possible like the guys that big shouldn't be able to run and then be like the best receiving backs in the class uh, on top of all of those things. So it was, he was a very unique, perfect storm. But if you have to go a third round, the one I would be the most interested in is it's a, it's a boring answer. Sorry, but it's Trey Sermon. Uh, the landing spot is ideal. Uh, again, another point for Gibson was he was going to a team where yes, there were people there. There was, there was player, there was starting running backs there, but no one was scary for, the level of talent that Antonio Gibson was bringing. Same thing over on San Francisco. Most we all the fantasy football community adores Raheem Mostert, probably more than just regular NFL people. But the end is near. R- Raheem Mostert is an yeah. older guy. His body has never been I know, I know. <laughs> his body has his body has never been able to hold up to the, the NFL being a starting running back and getting all those carries. And who else is there to stop the running back that they traded up for. So it, if anybody, it's Trey Sermon. And in, in Shanahan, the Shanahan running back discussion has been talked into the ground for good reason because it's it's true. They they plug in whoever they want, and those running backs dominate. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Trey Sermon. If he gets a backfield, I really like him. I'm just worried about the way Shanahan uses his running backs. Like you said, I do think one that could be like this, if he was just like 20 pounds bigger, because like you said, Gibson was such a special case because he was bigger. It's Michael Carter. I mean, he's going into a situation where he's, you know, no competition. He's a very good running back. He's just, he's too small, barely 200 pounds. Like really, what is he going to become? He's an interesting case for redraft. I'm not touching him in rookie drafts. He's just going way too early. Yeah. He people are so excited for Michael yeah. Carter. I I think it's just a uh, complete shortage of running backs after Sermon. I mean, Sermon does with these wide receivers. Trey Sermon does not belong in the first round of rookie drafts to me. No. But he goes there because of necessity, because uh, you know if you don't get Sermon, your next best option is Michael Carter. And I'm seeing Michael Carter being drafted over guys like Elijah Moore and Terrace Marshall. And it's like, okay, <laughs> people, people. We got to settle down. He's still a fourth-round running back. He is undersized. He is not overly athletic for an undersized running back. And, I mean, yeah, the I'm still in on, uh, like, because everyone goes, well, the, the competition. Like, well, Tevin Coleman's there. LaMichael Pirine is still there. And I know he's he's a Jag, too, but he is a Jag who already has shown he can play in the NFL, where – Michael Carter probably can. Michael Carter is probably a better player, but just say we, the NFL misses on players all the time, and and guys show up and they can't actually ball in the NFL. P. Ryan can hold his own, uh, so I don't I don't think immediately it goes everything is just Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman. I think P. Ryan will be involved. I have one sleeper. I need to I need to get this off my I chest. I had such a good transition there. You oh, really just really <laughs> derailed. Should we start the podcast? But I want to hear it. So I need to talk about Khalil Herbert because I've gotten him in the fourth oh, plus yes! round of every yes! rookie draft, and it's making me sick to my stomach because I can't understand what in the world is everybody's problem with Khalil Herbert. Yes, he's a little older. I don't know. 
He was fantastic in his, uh, what was it, his red, uh, red shirt senior season. Yes, he's an old man. Leave him alone. He, he looked fantastic. He was one of PFF's most highly graded running backs. It, just this class, he was fantastic in his final season once he got uh, a nice starting role. And I actually think, uh, I mean, we've always talked about the fact that David Montgomery isn't a fountain of talent. And David, <laughs> David Montgomery is more talented than Khalil Herbert, though. I don't, I think they're, no, I think they could be a one and or a one a one a. Oh my lord, one a and one b. I I think it could be. I think Khalil Herbert could absolutely earn the role. I I don't think that there's anything that tells me that we've seen anything like efficient out of David Montgomery. He's been a volume guy and he's been fine with it. But eh. we shall see. I'm about here. Herbert. I'm here for that take. Yes. Khalil Herbert on on RB1. the tape study because. Because I am a hashtag elite tape grinder, <laughs> not I am not that. Uh, but Khalil, but Herbert was behind Sermon. He was my fifth favorite running back, and it was I don't know if he'll get the capital because he has a lot of red flags. But I, I thought Herbert was a really good running back, and I completely agree that long term, David Montgomery. I don't know if David Montgomery gets the second contract from the Bears, and if he doesn't. You know, you're still a couple years away, but that's how you got to play dynasty. You got to be, you you got to be thinking multiple years in advance. Herbert could be a starting running back in two years. I do think this class could be like confusing us as well because I think a lot of the draft capital was just so random this year with COVID and teams not being able to do their normal uh, pre-draft research and get to you know do all the interviews and see these players in person. So I do think that can mess with a lot of this draft capital. So we might see some of these guys that fell to the fifth, sixth, seventh round break out more than normal, it, but it does still mm. just scare me. But anyways, moving on. The I was, scariest question of all. I was you. going to say, you know, talking about another guy that you think is just a jag, just a jag. Just a guy. Uh, Zach Moss, our boy. I know you're not a massive fan, but where do you have him ranked when you're just doing your quick ranking process? So in the quick ranking process, he was not a part of it because he definitely was not going to be in the top 20. Um, and I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and I actually, I have, I've made it through five teams uh, statting them all out so and that includes buffalo uh it's not a beautiful picture for zach moss i did project him to be the starter or whatever you know they're both gonna play um but even when you look at that towards the end of the season and i know he got hurt but before there like he he it felt like he was taking over the backfield to be the the 1a at least but even that was 14 15 opportunities per game and just look back at like actual it, my apologies i was gonna say actual elite running backs but, but um, oh snap whoa but zach zach moss zach moss still has time to prove himself but you can't question d'angelo williams you can't question jonathan stewart back when they were on the carolina panthers those dudes were great cam newton was a big big problem for them, they ne they couldn't be elite fantasy running backs when Cam Newton was there. Josh Allen is a big problem for them, and 
Uh, I think that it would be very strange for the Buffalo Bills, who were, were one game away from the Super Bowl, to look back at last year where they went – everything went insane for the Buffalo Bills. Like, yeah, we're going to throw a whole bunch now. We got this really inaccurate guy, but we know he's going to be great somehow. I, I don't know how what magic ball they had for to figure that out. But they start playing five wide. There's They were a pass-first team. They were passing to open up the run, which is very opposite of what most uh, NFL people think. So I think that they're not going to switch back. They're not going to become a run-first team. They're going to keep this rolling. And that limits what Zach Moss can actually be. So it... Yeah, Josh I'm not Allen out. Is really I'm not out on Zach Moss, but but he, I'm not. I'm not. I'm definitely not in. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Did anybody just hear the that little crinkling noise? Was that Mike stepping on eggshells to make sure yeah. that Michelle didn't? <laughs> he, didn't have... wanna, he didn't want to hurt us too bad. No, I know Josh Allen's really annoying, and even when they call the running play, it would be like a run option. Like Allen, you take it. If you see a hole or uh, hand it off to Moss, he would never, ever, ever hand it off. And Allen, would if take you were it. Josh Allen, would you? Well, I never would. Allen has one of the <laughs> highest percentage of. Um, what am I trying to think of here? Where you get stopped behind the line of scrimmage? Stuff rate. Stuff rate. Stuffed? Yeah. In the NFL last year, he's at like 14%. The, like top five. He was getting stopped. Like teams knew he was never going to hand it off. Like hand the ball off, dude. I, I love Josh Allen more than anything. And when he passes, so happy. But can you just hand the ball off sometimes? Please. <laughs> I think. I do think. That I think you need to send him not. an email. A personal email to Josh Allen before every game saying, this week, if you wouldn't mind just six or seven attempts, give them to Moss, please. It would really help me out. Please. I don't think Devin Singletary is going to be nearly as involved, though, this year. I saw, They were just trying to fade him out of the offense. And Breda, I will bet money that he's not active week one. He's just taking over TJ Yeldon's spot on the inactive list sure. every week. All right. Moving on to the main segment, because that was a lot of Gibson and a lot of Moss. But our main segment today is getting away from the draft. It's like, what veteran guys are just being disregarded, undervalued? Maybe not even disregarded in a way, but just... Disrespected. Yeah. They're just not being valued high enough because we all have that rookie fever. We're all way too excited about them. And we know it's not even the smart thing to do because we see it year after year. We overvalue uh, rookies, undervalue vets. So let's go through our guy that we think is being way too disrespected uh, right now in May, but you think it'll hold throughout draft season and you can get a steal for him. Before we jump into our next segment, we want to take a quick second to shout out Ball Blast's newest partner, Underdog Fantasy. Coming off a huge rookie season, the expectations for Underdog Fantasy's sophomore season are sky high. They're answering the call with the biggest best ball tournament ever. Best Ball Mania 2 has a $3.5 million prize pool, with $1 million going to the first place winner the biggest prize ever awarded in a best ball tournament no waivers no trades no setting lineups just drafting get over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app in the app store or play store and take your shot at one million dollars be sure to use the code ball blast when you sign up so we'll start with you mike who's your guy i'll i'll speak to someone who was that overvalued rookie and he disappointed people but I'm here to say, take it easy look, and look what actually happened to Clyde Edwards-Alaire running back from the Kansas City Chiefs. Look at what look at what they have done, what the team has done. That's that's what you got to do. You got to follow the money, follow the transactions. 
Uh, it's Clyde and Daryl. That's I get it. Jarek McKinnon, great. He's on the team. He, he's now the the ghost running back that they always got to have one. That's what <laughs> Kansas City does. They bring in a guy who was awesome at one point in their career, and then you find out that they are actually dust now, and we don't need to play them. It's those two guys. Their offensive line problems, they are working on. They traded for Orlando Brown. They drafted a center in the second round. And the reason why people are so upset with Clyde and and all of a sudden just dropping what they think his ceiling can be is he – he did. He underperformed. We are. We were all very excited for this new Andy Reid, Kansas City running back. I'm guilty as charged. Moved him up into the first round of like I'm going to take him as the fifth or sixth running back. I'm going to go all in. And but the but the truth is, through week eleven before he got hurt, he was the running back nine in a half a point scoring format. That's not bad. When? Like that's <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's what he was in total points. He was the running back nine. And here's where things really went sideways for Clyde. He wa- he had the 16th most touches of the position, of the running back position, and he averaged a touchdown every 43 touches. That is, uh, I, d- I don't know if you guys go with it. I stick with positive regression. I like the phrase, all the people, <laughs> it's, it doesn't make sense. You know exactly what I mean when I say positive <laughs> regression. So, so we're not, not going to argue about, yeah, we're not going to argue about the terminology. The top fifteen, they all the average of the top fifteen was a touchdown every twenty-five touches. So essentially, twenty more touches per touchdown for Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the they, let's lock it in. Who's going to be a top three offense in the NFL? The Kansas City Chiefs. Like that's that's going to be there. You just add a few more touchdowns into what Clyde did last year, and or and you maybe he doesn't get hurt as bad. He would have still finished as a running back one. Still disappointing when you draft him in the first round, but I think that the pendulum has swung too far that like people are like, oh, well, the, the ceiling is gone. He'll be a fine running back too. No. Look back at what Andy Reid has done with his running backs. Look at Brian Westbrook was, I think he finished as like the running back 19 or so his rookie year before he became elite Brian Westbrook. Give the guy more than a year in the league before you, you bury him. I think we're all just disappointed after he didn't have a five touchdown game like Kareem Hunt in his first week. And we're like, ah, the magic's not there. Yeah. (laughs) And Jonathan, the success of Taylor, like it distorts things that, that, uh, that Clyde did. And it's so funny because we started the season off with like a very different narrative. We were looking at Jonathan Taylor and we were saying, what is going on with Jonathan Taylor? Why is Naeem Hines getting all of this work? Right. When really it's, Kind of just like the situation was flipped with the two. In the first six games, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was almost on pace for uh, just under 350 touches on the season. Mm-hmm. That's bonkers, bananas, and, and he missed some games to close out the season. I'm so in, and I love capitalizing on the grief. That sounds wrong. Um, I love capitalizing <laughs> on the... Um, yeah, that, that went south quickly uh I, I take advantage of the situation when you can for fantasy football not in real life because that's mean but take advantage of the fact that he he hurt some people's souls and it, it's kind of like the michael scott gif i'm ready to get hurt again yeah. let's do this mm-hmm. 
there's a good chance you'll be able to get Clyde in the second, late second round. He could be your second running back. And if he's your second running back, that's pretty fantastic. I would, I would be so be happy. Yeah, if that happened so to good. me, I would be so enthralled with that. I Now I want to will it into existence in every draft that I have coming <laughs> draft season. If, if we keep talking about this, uh, as keep talking about him as highly as we are, though, we are going to will him into the first. So, oh, that's right. Uh, Jake, why don't you <laughs> ease us into your next player? Uh, this is a guy that we've sort of had a running joke on the podcast about his potential opportunities. But, Jake, you're rolling with this as a potential value in the 2021 season. Who is it? <laughs> All right. Well, look, this is not somebody we're going to have to worry about hyping into the first round. That's for sure. Um, and <laughs> I, I did not wake up this morning thinking I'm going to be the Anthony Ferkser guy. But here we are. Um, Tennessee, the Titans have the seventh most targets to the tight end position in the NFL last year. That's pretty good. I mean, the the elite guys up at the top, of course, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, those guys were occupying the top slots for their team. Tennessee was seventh. Tennessee lost Jonu Smith. They lost Corey Davis. And I know it's a joke about how bad Corey Davis was, but he was coming on pretty good last year. He was good last year. Right? So they, they lost him. They lost Adam Humphreys out of the slot. They added Josh Reynolds, who I like. He's a he's a fine player. Came over from the Rams. Uh, but he's just fine. Then they added a couple of later round rookies this year. Des Fitzpatrick. No relation to Ryan, I don't think. Uh, and Racy McMath in the sixth round. And I did check. And yes, that is a real name. Uh, like but it. the point is. Wait, Racy? What? Racy McMath. Any yeah, relation no. to calculus, division? No. Mick, Mick, uh, triangles. I don't know. Uh, Racy no- McMath is, is a name you use to make fun of somebody. Sure. Oh, look at McMathie over there with your yeah. calculator. Um, but That's fabulous. There is no competition I for love Anthony him. Ferkser this year. Um, Jeff Swaim, he's the next guy on the depth chart for them. The, the one game that Janu missed for them last year. Ferkser saw seven targets. He got five receptions for 51 yards. That's not amazing. But for the trash heap that tight end becomes after the top few, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. The only landmine that I'm seeing here is if if, uh, Zach Ertz is on the trade block, he's on the move. If he lands there, of course, that's game over for Ferkser. But otherwise, ah, look, as a late round tight end, Darth's (laughs) throw, I think he's going to be good. Honestly, talk about like... Uh, best ball formats, Ferkser could be the best late round value in underdog drafts. He absolutely has a shot to just have those boom weeks. And that's sort of what you want. And particularly in those league formats where you don't have to actually set your lineups. Yeah. That is what you want. I also just think he could be like the Logan Thomas type where last year this time we're all like, ha, oh, Logan Thomas isn't going to be anything. Stop it. But then you get into the offense. It's like, okay, well, there's no one else to pass to besides Terry McLaurin. So I have to pass someone. And it, it was Logan Thomas late in his career. So I could see this being fine Anthony Ferkser. I cannot picture me actually <laughs> having him on my squad and playing him, but I won't hate on the pick. I'm going to trade for him in every single league right after this, uh, <laughs> just so that I have as many shares of Ferkser as possible. Like you're going to trade for him off the waiver wire? <laughs> <laughs> I am picking up uh, Racy McMath on all waivers after this too. 
Yeah, I'm in on that. I was listening to your explanation of uh, why you are so passionate about Anthony Berks, or I swear. But as you were explaining yourself, I realized Racy McMath is the guy you make fun of. You know, like whenever the teacher says, can somebody come up and show us how we'd solve this problem? And there's always one person that's way too eager, wants to go to the board. It's Racy McMath. And that's what we would call him in school. It's 100% this guy. He claps a racer. And then this, but but he shows up and he's like super yoked. <laughs> and we're like, what's wrong with clapping erasers up to school? I, I guess you don't clap. Do you clap erasers anymore? No. Well, I mean, you have dry erase boards, so probably not. So you don't clap your dry erase markers. That's good to you know. You just run them over under the sink, I think, at this point is the new. <laughs> oh my gosh. The new method. How you know you're old. Okay. Uh, hopefully anybody <laughs> listening to this podcast understands what clapping erasers is, because otherwise it sounds kind of like a weird reference. I'm going to go with my guy. Uh, we, we have Mike Wright on the show, resident Arizona Cardinals fan, so I have to pay homage. I'm going with John Brown in 2021. Oh, smoke. Smokey Brown. You have to love it. One year prove a deal with the Raiders. They did not draft a single wide receiver in the 2021 NFL draft. They just messed up all of their other positions in the 2021 NFL draft. It's fine. Uh, we're forgetting John Brown. <laughs> he he had a disappointing season. He missed some games, but he's one season removed from a wide receiver 20 finish in half PPR formats. And guess what? In that same season, Stefan Diggs finished as the wide receiver 21. One spot behind Smokey Brown. I, I think life just changes so fast. I love it. It's chef's kiss. Both played 15 games in that season, that 2019 season. Brown averaged 12.3 points per game, digs 12 points per game. It just shows you how fast things can change. But let's like talk about the Raiders offense or whatever we want to call that conglomerate of uh, contracts with uh, labeled wide receiver. Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller's the wide receiver one, uh, and outside of him, it's 100% John Brown for me. Nelson Aguilar isn't there. That's 82 vacated targets, a 15% target share. And I'm going to cap it off. I think the opportunity is all we need. Because uh, in a mock draft, I, I've been getting him in the 14th round. That's sinful. That's absolutely sinful, but... Let's cap it off with the fact that Derek Carr actually was, this is going to be gross. A, oh, no. A, he was a good deep passer in 2020 on passes of 20 yards or more. His ranks among quarterbacks with a minimum of 25 deep passing attempts, second in PFF passing grade, second in adjusted completion percentage, so that that throws away like your drops, the all of that stuff that's sort of out of control. He was second in completion percentage, adjusted fourth mm. in deep passing yards, seventh in NFL passer rating down the field. Weirdly, Daniel Jones was first. Did okay, so that doesn't make me feel that, too confident. That doesn't make me feel too confident in that stat. But, <laughs> you, you should have left that part yeah, out. I, I should have, but I was just so fascinated. But the rest of the stats, I trust. In stats, I trust, and I think that we are not giving John Brown any love. Why? I feel like Derek Carr knows about these stats, and he finds that 20-yard line. He's like, okay, I just have to get it to the 20. 
but I don't have to go any further than that. But <laughs> then so they'll he just love hits me. it right at he just yeah, he just hits it right at a twenty so you can like increase those stats. But he's not actually passing it too deep. Uh, like the other quarterbacks. I don't know. Like I feel like I'm watching Raiders games and I never see them throw it deep. When does he do this? Like when? I mean, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not calling the plays, but uh, I do know that Derek Carr he likes his arms. For anybody who's watched the the uh, hard knocks, hard knocks featuring the Raiders, he would always oil his arms before they got on camera. We've I think about he this really so much. He really likes his arms, and you know what? I'm starting to see why. And I think his arms are gonna lead. Uh, my friend John Brown to a wide receiver to finish in the 2020 season. Oh, that's, 2021. That's pretty bold. I actually like Henry Ruggs a little bit. Now Ooh. that he, now that no one cares about him anymore and you can draft him <laughs> really, really, really late. I felt like he was always open and they would like car and him would just miss. That's why I'm surprised about his deep passing stats. Cause it felt like they were so close all the time. Uh, but I don't know. I kind of like Henry Ruggs, but I like also John Brown. I think that's a good pick. Going back three seasons in games where John Brown has at least received five or more targets, he's been on pace for uh, 225 PPR points a game. That's an average of 14 points per game. That's 27 games, too. It's not a small sample That's size. not a small sample size. That is voluptuous. I'm all in <laughs> on Smokey. I want it. If, if I am in wow. any sort of contending position, I think he is the ultimate acquisition at this point in the season. All right. Season. I, mine's kind of like yours, I, but I don't know. I like my guy a little bit more. I'm going with Mike <laughs> Williams, the wide receiver of the Chargers. It might seem silly. I feel like every year people hype this guy, but I promise I never do. This is my first year hyping him, but I actually think it's going we to happen. We all take our turn. Yeah. First timer. <laughs> I think it's going to happen <laughs> this year. He's going into his, what, fourth season. But just in 2018, he had 10 touchdowns. That was his first really full season playing after the injury in his rookie year. In 2019, he had 1,000 receiving yards, but only two touchdowns. If you could put, just put together a season where he has the yards and the touchdowns, it's going to be amazing. I mean, that's just pretty stupid to just say on here, like, that's just easy to happen. But I do think he has a shot at actually performing this year. Like, last year, we were all watching Hard Knocks. I had the Chargers and the Rams. We saw Mike Williams die for a ball. He really, really hurt his shoulder. Like, it looked really bad. They're saying he could miss mm -hmm. up to a month of the season. He didn't miss any time. He came back. Probably a stupid thing to do to play through the injury. But then also he got a hamstring injury in week four. He had a back injury later on in the second half of the season. That's what Mike Williams' career is kind of has been, is injuries after injuries. And I think that's the only thing stopping him at, like, in the games he actually played healthy, he put up some good performances. There was a 109-yard game with two touchdowns, 99-yard game with one touchdown, 81 yards, 72 yards and a touchdown, 108 yards and a touchdown. Like, he had decent games last year with Herbert. He just needs to be on the field. And really, it's Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. That's about it. I like their third-round rookie they took, Josh Palmer from Tennessee, but he is still super raw. Like, he didn't do a whole lot at Tennessee. I expect him to be a good wide receiver in the NFL, at least solid, but probably not next year. They got rid of Hunter Henry. He's now, in, now with the Patriots. That's 93 targets that are vacated, and that was just in 14 games. So there's even more than that throughout a whole season. You're missing that big-bodied player now in the middle of the field. I do think that can be Mike Williams. He should get those touchdowns. 
They also don't have a true like workhorse running back. Love Austin Eckler. I'll be drafting him. How dare you? How him. dare you? I will be drafting him for the sole purpose that he gets so many targets. Like I don't care what he does on the ground whatsoever. He can get 300 rushing yards. I don't care. He's going to just score a ton of points because of his receptions. But in that case, like, are they really like who do they have at the goal line? They're going to be throwing it a ton around the goal line. So I do think. Those targets should go to Mike Williams. And then, like, is their defense much better? He now gets a full offseason to connect with Justin Herbert when they were trying to make Tyrod Taylor a thing last year. Uh, if Mike Williams stays healthy, I don't see how he's not a top 24 wide receiver. Like, right there, though. Like, 20 to 24. I'm not putting him higher than that. But I, he's just got to stay healthy, which is a hard ask right now for him. He was maddening the last year of, like, he, you you he had the big week, so you pick him up, you play him. You're like, uh, nope, that's that's a dud. <laughs> okay, fine, I'll drop him. Good week. Oh crap, I gotta I gotta scoop him up again. I mean, he was just he was a soul destroyer last year, and it. I mean, I. It probably was the the injuries that, but it just like it made no sense. How is Justin Herbert breaking all of the rookie records, and Mike Williams is showing up once every four games? It was. Very bizarre, uh, and, and don't forget, Jared Cook is there to yeah. kind of take over some of Hunter Henry's lunch money over there. <laughs> I felt like Mike Williams was getting the targets. Like it'd be a lot of weeks; he'd get seven, seven, eight, nine, ten targets. It's just it, it wasn't working out, and I don't know if it was because of his hamstring, because of his back injuries. Again, it, that could happen again next year. Who knows? He's had issues staying healthy, but I do think next year their connection will be better. He's just got to be fully healthy. But anyways, I'm sure I will be the one that gets my heart broken this year. I'm finally buying into the Mike Williams uh, hype. There is no hype. I'm making the hype, and then my soul's going to be sad. You hype anyways. it, now you bought it. That's basically how that has to work for you. You have to go out and live off, feed off your own hype train. Now, I, I want to get into my favorite segment of the week. Let's get ballsy. That's pretty ballsy. That's pretty ballsy. Covered her asses out there, man. Some ballsy shots. Get ballsy. All right, Mike. You're here today. So we're making you give the ballsy take of the week. We want your spicy take for the 2021 season. Give it to us. Make us sweat over here. All right. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> the uh i'm going with the the window to trade low for adam troutman if you don't do it now you're gonna be you're gonna regret it because that buy low window is will be closed very soon adam troutman if you're look you may not even know who adam troutman is he is a he is now the starting tight end for the new orleans saints uh they drafted him in the 2020 season uh in the third round the saints had four picks that year Four picks, and they took Adam Troutman. They took a tight end a with one of them, pick. a tight end from a from a from a small school. Uh, Jared Cook, Josh Hill. They were the veterans. They were waived, waived, and they said, "We do not want you here anymore <laughs> because we need to make room for our guy, Adam Troutman." With the with Jared Cook and Josh Hill gone, that was seventy uh, vacated targets to the tight end position. 32% of New Orleans Saints targets as a whole have been vacated with those guys and then Emmanuel Sanders being off the field. 
Look at the competition for Adam Troutman. Like, let's just talk opportunity. Michael Thomas, stud, elite wide receiver. Who's next? Traquan Smith? Traquan Smith is heading into his fourth year. I have to, Traquan Smith is another Mike Williams guy where we just, we, we try. <laughs> can't let it we go. try to get excited. He's going into his fourth year. He has played every single year in his career with a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, and he has never surpassed 450 receiving yards. Like, sure, we've seen lately Devontae Parker, Brashad Perryman, Corey Davis, these guys break out in, in the later years when we've all given up. But I'm putting the probability at very low. Look what Adam Troutman did in school. Yes, it was a small school, but he dominated. And speaking of dominator, 38%. He had a 38% dominator score, meaning 38% of of that team's passing yards and passing touchdowns went to Adam Troutman. And for some context, Travis Kelsey's dominator, 27%. Darren Waller and Zach Ertz came at 32%. So he crushed the production in college more than those guys. He had an elite breakout age before 20. And here's the big thing. For for pro football focus, you know, they, they rate all these guys. It, how do they do in receiving, blocking? Adam Troutman as a rookie was their highest rated run blocking tight end. Wow. A rookie, the highest rated run blocking <laughs> tight end. That's going to keep you on the field mm-hmm. heading into your sophomore season. And just for some context, guys like Dallas Goddard and Travis Kelsey are three and four on that list. Guys that you know you can depend on to be fantasy assets. So I'm 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 not out here calling that Adam Troutman is leaping into the elite tier for 2021, but I am saying he's going to be a tight end one this year, and then in 2022 will make that leap to being an elite type of player. You want to have fun? Go watch some Adam Troutman college highlights. It is ridiculous his receiving ability. So I'm saying if you don't do it now, it'll it'll be done, and then you're going to have to. You're going to have an Antonio Gibson trade high problem. You're going to have to pay up. (laughs) Mike, can I tell you right now, I just traded for Adam Troutman. I gave away the 303, and it was an instant accept. So I took your advice in the moment, and I'm ready to ride this wave with you. This year's 303? This year's 303. That's a trash pick. Tight end premium league. Thank you Ooh, for no allowing way. this magic to happen. Oh, right. Cheers man. to you, my friend. I was just That's going to ask. Fabulous. I'm like going to look at all my leagues right now. I do know I'm, I have him on a couple rosters because he was going so late last year. And I was like, the Saints use their tight end position. Like, give him a couple years. I love this pick by you or this ballsy take by you. Uh, I do have a question, though. You're in a draft. You're in the 14th round. You're trying to find your tight end. Are you going for next season, Adam Troutman or Adam Ferksker? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do both back-to-back personally. I will be having all of that on my team. <laughs> or Tim Tebow. Uh, Tim Tebow, oh, yeah. tight end one. Tim Tebow's... <laughs> I will just say I'm I... – the only thing I have to say about Adam Troutman really is that I'm just so impressed that he won the tight end one role in that offense over Taysom Hill. Good for him. Right. Hey. And like it it's it's uh it's it's like a low key doesn't matter, but it might matter a little bit. Technically speaking, uh Adam Troutman uh started more games than Jared Cook Ooh. last year. Interesting. Like he didn't. He was. He was not involved in the passing game at all. Uh, 
last year because you had you had Cook, who was the veteran part of the game plan. But just saying, like the all of the kindling for uh, for the fire of a breakout tight end is there with Adam Troutman. Yeah, I'm so with you, Traquan Smith. Though I'm also with you. Like it's not. It's not going to happen with him. Michael Thomas was hurt all year last year. Like, if he's not going to even have a slight breakout, breakout then, like, there was no no flashes of greatness at any moment right. throughout the year. So, uh, yeah, I'm completely out on Smith. That probably means he's going to break out since I'm all the way out. <laughs> all right, one more question for you on Adam Trapman before we close out today's show. If our listeners are eager to acquire – our good friend Adam Troutman uh, ahead of maybe their rookie drafts. When it tum- when it comes to 2021 uh, rookie draft picks in your dynasty leagues, what would you be willing to send? What's the highest pick you would send for Adam Troutman? Let's say tight end premium because they're at a they're at a, a shortage there. Well, it sounds like you could just send a third round pick and it gets it done. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, like that's it. that's the the nice thing about Adam Troutman cuz he did there, there was no flashes the rookie year is you uh I, I talked about him a little bit on on the footballers like he is the I call it a Trojan horse trade where I just get you to I'm like ah this you know the deal's a little bit off I'm I'm overpaying <laughs> here for who's Adam Adam <laughs> Troutman I don't know this guy just just throw him in the trade and we'll we'll call that balance. Then you can send it over. I mean, just sneak him in as an ad. But if if you were just trying to go one for one, if it were if it's a tight end premium league, I would send a, a back of the second half or a back of the second round pick for him. Um, but I don't even know if you have to offer that to to get him. Like people are just like I don't know who this guy is. And <laughs> I'm literally or, sending or people right or now. people. Oh, I love it. The issue is, it. no, or, Michelle and I are in a lot of the same leagues, so I. Oh we no! Close out Someone's getting two offers. <laughs> I, I I already sent out two offers uh, in two different leagues. I do have them in a couple leagues. I don't know where those are at. This is I hope weird. I'm not the one that people were like, "Let me just get him in these deals," and they already took them from me. <laughs> No, I love that. This was a great show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the fantasy footballers and what you're doing over there and where we can find all of your work? Sure. Follow, uh, follow me on socials. Twitter, Instagram is at FFHitman. And if you want any, to check out anything with the show, thefantasyfootballers.com. That's the hub. You can find our draft kit there, our rankings, the podcast. If, if you get lost and you're like, man, I need to find the fantasy footballers, <laughs> That's that's how you do it. TheFantasyFootballers.com. <laughs> Everything's there. We so appreciate having you guys. Thank you all for joining us for today's show. A very special guest. I am your host, Kate. You can follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can follow me at BallBlastM, BallBlastEM. And I'm Jake. You can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.